0: This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras on 680 CJOB.
1: Happy Monday, Jim Toth.
2: Happy Monday to you, Cam Poitras. Man, you look good today.
1: Well, you know, I for tried. For Monday?
2: For Monday. Look at you.
1: You hey. know what? It is. Well, I got not, had a good weekend. You know what? I've been starting to use uh, eyebrow wax. And that's made a big difference. So you didn't even know what it was. That's good. That's it's odd. eyebrow wax. It's awesome for you, man. Good for yeah. You. Yeah. You awesome. didn't even like realize that there was like... Well, I know your eyes
2: were popping today. I yeah. didn't know that's why. <laughs> I didn't know that's well, why, but good for you, man. That's awesome.
1: Expensive stuff, like 45 bucks a jar. It's not even that much. It's like, a, like hey, barely a handful.
2: Maybe a whole new sponsor here on Jets at Noon. Yeah. What's yeah. it called?
1: Uh, 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 I don't even remember. When I
2: need to this. see a Jets game properly, I get my eyebrows waxed with... And then... I'm Cam Poitras. Yeah. Want,
1: want your eyes to pop? Tight and rip—that's what tight, it's called. Tight and rip. <laughs> tight and rip. Yeah, it goes on tight and you rip it. This is this is too much information at the beginning. Now <laughs> okay. it's gone way yeah,
2: too. And But I'm happy off. Monday to you. We got a big game tonight. I'm excited.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We'll get into that. Uh, Vegas and Dallas. That game coming up tonight. Vegas. You know they didn't. They were not good in, the, in, in game five against Dallas. We'll talk about that. Why don't I like Vegas? I, I also just don't. I just don't like them either. And then there's also. Um, uh, Matthew Kachuk. He's a gamer. He's a he's a gamer. He and Jimmy Butler were classmates. Yeah, that's St. crazy. Louis? Was it St. Louis? Yeah, uh St. Louis or was it Jason Tatum? Jason Tatum maybe. Yeah, no, no, it was, it was
2: Butler. I don't know. It's the same person. Anyway, I told you the Celtics are going to pull us out.
1: I got a little thought. I got a thought on. Okay. Check if we get if we can get to it. Um, but first, oh, and uh, Derek Taylor, he was uh, out in Edmonton for the start of the CFL season. Well, I guess the CFL preseason with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers will be joining us at twelve forty-five. But first, we're joined by Wild reporter, writer, and podcaster Jesse Pierce. Uh, hey, Jesse, how are you?
3: Hey, boys. I'm good. How are you?
1: Good, Jesse. Thanks for joining us.
2: As always, Cam's eyes are popping today. Yeah. Yeah, I figured you'd be really impressed by that.
3: That's what I hear. Yeah, I am. I am, and I do think it was Jason Tatum, not Jimmy Butler.
1: Jason
2: Tatum, eh? I apologize then to everybody. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Thank you. Well, I'm
1: glad to know that the eyebrows are now have traveled seven hours south, and it's also perfect. It's it's starting to get picked up. Not, it's becoming international.
2: Yeah, Jesse doesn't understand this, but she's going to be part of this endorsement deal whether she likes it or not.
3: <laughs> okay. Hey, you know what? I'm in as long as I can get a little can brow wax down here too once in a while. That's <laughs> well,
1: you know, if you're lucky, you play your cards right. I um, you know, see, Jesse, I wanted to have you on here, and and, and the reason why the the, Winni- the Minnesota Wild, of course, there's a, an association up here in Winnipeg, um, just just based on on geography and 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 you know the amount of people that went down even for for to, to go watch the Toronto Blue Jays against the Twins. Uh, tons of Jays fans, obviously, up here with it being Winnipeg's team, and they're they we they're, we have a close relationship uh, between the two cities. Um, but uh, it, it's it's, it's going to be a real interesting off season for the for the Minnesota Wild, and and for sort of specific different reasons. You know, the Winnipeg Jets are sort of at a crossroads in terms of uh, what are they going to do with with some of their high priced RFA's coming up. You know, Mark Scheifele, Pierre Luc Dubois, uh, Connor Hellebach, Blake Wheeler. There's there's a lot of decisions. Or uh, those three are UFA's, and, and of course, uh, uh, Pierre luc Dubois and RFA heading into this season. But I, I'm wondering what the Minnesota Wild are going to do, and in sort of what direction they're headed. They got 14 and a half, if I'm not correct, and please correct me if I'm wrong. For the next two seasons, they have 14 and a half million dollars in dead cap space, uh, based on those decisions to to Nick Parise and Sutter and, and, and Ryan Suter, and buy those two guys out. Um, that this year it was 12 and a half, and now that ups to 14 and a half for the next two years. Um, what what kind of decisions do you think the Minnesota Wilds are going to have to make here? Because things are getting tighter. I I thought they were a great team last season, uh, but things are just going to become more and more difficult. And I, I wanted to get your thoughts on how Minnesota needs to handle this offseason.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's tough. It's something that we knew was coming. Obviously, it wasn't ideal to take the cap hit at any rate with those buyouts, but they were buyouts that Bill Guerin stands by, as he should, I think for the culture of the room. I know there's a lot made about that and the shift that has taken since buying those two players out, Zach Parise and Ryan Suter, but it has, it's, it's made a difference. And now, you know, I know Zach Parise out with the Islanders eyeing down uh, free agency himself as well. I'm sure he'll find one more year with you and the Islanders, but we'll see. But yeah, it's, it's a tough situation. And I don't think, you know, we did our uh, post team exit meetings after the first round uh, exit to the Dallas stars here. And, and Bill Guerin, you could sense that he was a little on edge, a little tense, because I think he knew it was going to be tough. I don't think he recognized it was going to be this tough. And, you know, the Wild are lucky in the fact that they don't have too many UFAs this year. They've got um, restricted free agent Philip Gustafson, who played phenomenal this season. They're going to have to figure out a way to come to good terms with him. A good bridge deal would probably be ideal. Mark andre Fleury will be back for one more year, minimally. Uh, but the only big UFA eyeing am down will be uh, Matt Dumba. And I think both parties have, have come to, to terms with that. They just simply cannot afford Matt Dumba and his salary. So he's going to test free agency unless something tremendous happens. But the tough thing for Bill Guerin is he's relying he's going to have to rely on these ELCs and the entry-level contracts and the cheap young guys. I mean, remember, he signed Matt Boldy to a seven-year, $7 million extension and it was worth it yeah he's going to need bolden to step up he's going to need marco rossi to be ready to come into camp and make this team marco rossi was given yes. a prime opportunity last year and didn't take advantage of it unfortunately and he certainly developed down in the american hockey league but they're going to be looking to guys like him um being in general and they're still going to have to make some moves i mean bill Guerin still has hardly any money to even do call-ups during the course of the season so names that have floated around would be a Marcus Foligno, as much as he's very beloved here in Minnesota as a captain and, and as a player, he has no protection at all. So he'd be a player that's possibly eyed up. Kalen Addison, another young guy with a prime opportunity, but he certainly wasn't exactly what the Wilds were looking for. So in general, it's going to be an interesting offseason. It's been quiet thus far, naturally, mm-hmm. but it'll be curious to see what Bill Guerin uh, can do, what Magic. He certainly has done his part in the past two years at trade deadline to get Minnesota where it needs to be to be playoff ready. Uh, but it still hasn't changed the tides for them. They're still out at the golf course earlier yeah. than we'd like.
1: But is Brock Faber in that list too on defense? Is
3: Brock he... Faber has played fantastic, yeah. yes. He signed his three-year entry level, so that's a good point. He will be back there. So I think that's what softens the blow of Matt Dumba. You know, Matt Dumba has been a top four deep pair his entire career here with Minnesota pretty much. I mean, he had a, a year down in Iowa, but otherwise he's been a mainstay. Him and Jonas Brodine together has, has been tremendous, and Dumba loves it here, but I think, again, it's, it's a numbers game at this point. It's a business, and, and Bill Guerin's going to have to get really, really crafty and try to figure out what he can do uh, to, to make this team successful. Otherwise, you know, I did ask Garren at the end of the season, said, you know, should expectations be lowered? Of course, every team wants to make the playoffs, In Minnesota has done that job well for almost its entire uh, history. However, they still don't get past that first round. So it should just be looked at as a somewhat rebuild for the next two years until they get this money, until they get the parisi suitor bios off the books. And Garen says no. He's confident in what they have down in Iowa. He's confident in uh, what he has here up in Minnesota. So, again, it's going to be interesting to see what magic can be done and if Bill Garen can, in fact, do it.
2: That's such a great question, Jesse, mm. for Garen, because I thought that would happen this year. Like, I thought they exceeded expectations given the cap issues, um, and, and I know it was it's going up this year, but, I, like, it just sticks to me while I was watching that series that you're paying – suitor seven million dollars to beat you and and that's like so how does this go over with the fans because I understand that they exceeded expectations if they can become even a bubble playoff team next year under these restrictions that would be impressive too but fan wise they must be aware of that too like we're kind of in this hole because of some of our own bad decisions
3: it's true I mean I think it's frustrating Minnesota sports fans are no stranger to pain and heartache and, and <laughs> disappointment, constant disappointment, it seems. Um, you know, and especially after last year. Last year, the Minnesota Wilds took the season by storm, the regular season, that is. Now, again, it didn't yield any better of a result for them in the postseason, and just like this year, they did. And I think you're absolutely right that it, they exceeded expectations. I think the regression was going to be natural. You knew Marcus Salino wasn't going to be a top-10 goal scorer. You knew... That Ryan Hartman wasn't going to produce what he did last year. And you were doing it without Kevin Fiala. So I think a regression was normal. But Minnesota didn't exactly take a step back. You know, they kind of maintained this weird consistency that was effective for the most part. Um, and then they head into the postseason and, and the same thing. And Minnesota Wild fans, obviously, we call ourselves the state of hockey. They know hockey, they understand what is going on. Um, but I think it still doesn't make it. Any less painful, you know. You look at what the Vikings were able to do last year, and then they get bounced. I think everybody's been looking to the Minnesota Wild as minnesota's team, the one that could possibly bring home this championship. And right now, they just—it's very unsure as if that's ever going to come to fruition. Because you also look at now. This is down the line. I always hate panicking Wild fans with this, but Kariokaprisov, what's he want to do? You still have him under contract for a couple of years, but he's the guy that wants to win. Is he go? Are you going to be able to build a team around him? that makes him want to stay and sign another extension and stick with Minnesota and see this thing through. I don't know. I mean, Bill Guerin, again, he's going to have to pull a rabbit out of a hat, which he's done. I'm very confident in that, but he's going to have to make some different moves in order to keep Kaprizov happy as well. I think.
2: How much are Minnesota wild media yourself fans watching what the Jets might do?
3: I think a little bit. I think it's just natural, right? There's also that fun rivalry for Winnipeg, but yeah, you guys are in kind of a very interesting situation precarious situation. For me, it feels like, and correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like you guys need a changing of the guard, if
0: you will. A <laughs> well, and that's why I, I ask. Mean, like,
2: like to us, it's the major story here, right? Like, four key pieces either have to re-sign or move yeah. on. And and so I'm wondering how much, like, around the other league, especially in Minnesota with what they have to do, or would they even be knocking on the door to find maybe some fit or, or just looking what other teams are doing given their situation?
3: I think so, but again, that cap restraint – it's just so handcuffed, yeah. right? They'd have to make some moves. And, again, Bill Karen is a guy who he shoots it pretty straight with us as far as the media goes, and he'll take any call. He will listen to any possible action. I mean, really, if you break it down, there's only one or two, maybe three untouchables on the Minnesota Wild roster, and the rest of the players truly – could be movable if Bill Guerin sees fit, if the right thing comes across the table. Again, I look at what he's done the past two years at the trade deadline with, again, a very minimal amount of spending money, and and he finds the right pieces. He somehow is able to do that. So I think he certainly is keeping an eye on Winnipeg. I imagine most of those guys a little bit rich for his blood. But again, I think anything is always possible.
2: If a buyout were to happen for Blake Wheeler, would the Minnesota Wild be interested?
3: I mean, Minnesota loves Minnesota, right? I certainly think we've <laughs> shown that. Brock Favors of Minnesota kids. We love taking all those Minnesotans back. Um, I mean, absolutely. I think the one concern you might have, and, and I'm sure Winnipeg fans know this, is Blake Wheeler's age. And I hate to say that because he is my age. So we are young people, but <laughs> at the same time, I mean, is he capable of, of doing what he was doing up in Winnipeg for as long as he did down here? Possibly, and I'm sure Blake would love to come back to Minnesota. So it's a conversation, but I don't know that they'd be as high on it as they maybe had been, obviously, two years ago had that situation arose.
1: The pride of St. Paul, Minnesota. Jesse Pierce, wild reporter, writer, and podcaster. Jesse, thanks so much.
3: No problem, boys. Have a good day.
2: Yeah, always great having you, Jesse. Thanks. I, I mean, that's the question, right? It wouldn't yeah. fit in a trade. It wouldn't fit in a trade retaining salary
1: even. What about a $6.125 million Mark Scheifele in a Minnesota Wild jersey for one year?
2: Well, see, that's the thing, though. Minnesota's not in that area. Like, they're not – like, I think that's more of a I, Carolina, a Boston kind of thing. But I just think the only way Blake Wheeler ends up in Minnesota is if there's a buyout and then mm-hmm. he takes, like, a mill or a league minimum See, that's the
1: thing is, like, Bill Guerin and and, and, and Dean Evason there, they they're – like, they need value for money. Like they they're they're in in Moneyball territory here, where it's they're going to have to crunch every number, and they need every dollar that's going. to... You, you, they're walking around with a fourteen and a half million dollar, uh, you know, uh, hole in the ground that that's just eating up that amount of cash over like fifteen. Well, I was like impressed they
2: made the playoffs and how they 20, played. Like I was if
1: you if you really look at it, it's like almost twenty percent of their entire salary cap gone. They're dealing without
2: they that. I just, I've just i said it a million times on this show. Paying suitor to beat you is the worst kind of business to do. Of
1: course, Garen's going to say, I have no regrets about it. Because if he said, I probably shouldn't have done that. Well, it's just something you can't say. Anyways, lots to get to here. Derek Taylor's going to be coming up. We'll talk Vegas. We'll talk Dallas. And I got a question about Matthew Kachuk that I'm going to throw to Mr. Jim Toth. We'll be Tatum right
2: is who he went to school with.
1: Tatum. Oh, it was Tatum. Oh. I'm so silly. I thought it was Jimmy Butler. So did I. Oh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> we'll be right back. Chats at noon on 680 CJOB. Well, well, well. This is Skyler Peters. Well, well, well.
4: Pleasure to be here.
1: Yeah. It seems like
4: it. Welcome back, Skyler. Thanks. Thank you. It's uh, my one week of doing my real job, and then I have to go... Do the morning shift because Sarah McCarthy's just taken off somewhere next week. So nobody cares about
2: your fantasy team or your work schedule. Well, well keys, I'm just explaining my absence
4: and my
1: future absence. <laughs> yeah. So, well, well Sarah, Sarah McCarthy we is she, she, all she does is take vacation. Like, I never yeah, even I mean, see her at
2: work. Well, she's not. She's not on our level anymore. I need you know? her agent. Like, when she upper, took that morning yeah. job, I
4: mean, but she she's got, like, eighteen like I, weeks of vacation she's something like that. Yeah. She's
2: morning show crew up here now, yeah. guys, and we're oh, yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, just the uh, plebeians here. here at noon hour. Yep. Yeah. 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 They just tossed me in there. The grinders, yeah, grinders, yeah, just gamers, just gamers, just beautiful
4: gamers, grinders, yeah. I know he'd we're not a great him.
2: player if he could finish those type of guys.
4: That's once, <laughs> once said about Jim Toth back in the day, probably. Yeah.
2: He's awesome if he could finish or hit the net. Yeah, he'd be incredible. If he could
4: skate if he, yeah. if he could you really
2: know, do he, anything. If he could do 12 things a hockey player needs to do. He'd be awesome. <laughs>
1: you know, in soccer, if he could just keep up with the ball, he'd be great. Yeah.
2: That's a great <laughs> hard shot, Toth, but that's a big net you keep missing. <laughs> but that's a great hard shot yeah. from that distance. That's yeah. perfect. But uh, if it was on net, it'd be better.
4: I know we're not a basketball show, but uh, Scott Foster, the official tonight for uh, Celtics and Heat Game 7, mm-hmm. Celtics 12-0 and 0 when Scott Foster
1: officiates. Well, that's it. It's done. So, book it. So you're putting, you're putting cash down on the Celtics is what oh, I'm trying, I'm going, what I'm I'm going trying heat to say. I'm going Heat. I <laughs> yeah,
2: you got to go to the Heat tonight, but I should have done this when they were down 3-0, and it was Brown who said, you know, what do you feel about your plight and stuff? He goes, how do I feel? I go, don't let us win one. I thought it was should, Marcus
4: I, Smart. Smart? I'm pretty sure it was smart. Sarah
2: was Brown. Oh anyway, they're just I don't the even know who, team. I don't, I don't even know who Chuck it. went to high school with. So um, but I'm I'm with you. Like I, I think the Celtics are a much better team. And if they just got one, which they did. Now that's the reason why this has never happened though, right? So they won game four and five, and then they were pretty lucky to win game six. Like you need yeah. some luck to win four in a row in the playoffs. So tonight, I I think they do it, but I'm with you. I don't like the Celtics.
4: They're uh, they're like a seven or eight point favorite, I think. Now all the momentum's uh, I, on their side. Seven, yeah, yeah, Jordan, obviously, I, so. I just
1: I just think that it's just you're just waiting for the Denver, the Denver Nuggets are looking their chops or whoever comes. Through.
4: Oh yeah, they think this is hilarious. Yeah,
1: I I just I think Denver's gonna honestly. I think, I think
4: kind of like I don't think that the public perception of the Florida Panthers is the same, but I think this is kind of how Florida feels too. Ten days they're gonna have. Yeah. Well, I was having this night.
2: conversation on the weekend. Remember the Jets swept the Oilers and then had nine days off. Yeah. And they didn't look good until th- midway through the third period of game one. And they lost that game five, two yeah. or three, and they got two or three goals in the third. But
4: nine days off is too much. And you know, and playing an inferior opponent. There was no doubt about that. Yes. That yeah. year. Yeah. 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 yeah,
1: yeah. But but the the Panthers won't be this time. They're not gonna be playing an inferior no. opponent, technically. I don't think so. If you look at it, and maybe Paul Maurice is gonna look at that experience he had here in Winnipeg. Um, and and there was the bubble going on and all that situation too at the same time, so I, w- I wouldn't say it's exactly the same sort but of didn't situation. did Montreal
2: win three seven-game series? Like, there's yeah. something about you just keep going. Yeah. To me, it's the old adage when I would talk to bomber players about the bye week, and the, old, the linemen would be the ones that hated it, and I'm like, yeah. why? He goes, well, because. You ever get a bruise? Once the bruise starts to heal and then it gets hit again and hurts twice as much, I would yeah. rather just remain bruised is what they would say, like beat up in time and keep going.
4: Keep yeah. pushing stuff so around. So unless
2: I'm actually injured, mm. the nicks and the and the bangs and, and all that, they would prefer to just keep playing. And I, I just, I'm a big believer in in hockey series. You do what you can to get four or five days off in between series. Anything past five days, you're really letting rust set it.
1: Yeah. So we're going to see. I mean, that's going to be a big storyline Heading into it, every time a series happens like this, and one team goes a little longer than the other one, and Look there's at the a sweep. Memorial
2: Cup with Kamloops, they get absolutely pounded in game one, and then they get their game under them, and they go out and pound they Peterborough, lit up. Yeah, the that Pete. was that was gross. That yeah, was sad. I know something
1: else. So, anyways, the two teams still undefeated at one and zero uh Battling today, well,
4: ask me somebody.
1: Well, someone's gonna be on it. There's like, only four teams. In well, this no, i have just seen how many scripts and stuff I read like getting into ready for the sports, and it's like the two undefeated, the big undefeated matchup today at the Memorial Cup. It's like they're both one and oh, okay. They played one game and they won them both. I don't know if like I guess undefeated is a technicality. Tactically, yes. They've not yet been You're defeated. you wrong.
4: I it just maybe not the right way. To it's describe. like celebrating.
1: Like, yeah, <laughs> Jets are off and on undefeated start to start the season. One and know Bombers are undefeated in preseason action so far. One to know. Anyway, thanks, oh, that's Skyler. Good. See you thanks,
2: Skylar. Good to have um, you. Vegas.
1: Yeah, Vegas. Game six today. Vegas and Dallas. I'm surprised at this, Jim. I I didn't think that Vegas was going to be sticking around. I mean, no, Dallas was going to be sticking around. I thought Vegas was going to take care of them in a in a sweep. But honestly, good for Dallas. I mean, they, they certainly won game five. If it wasn't for Aiden Hill, uh, the Golden Knights wouldn't even have been in that game in the third period. Um, but I, I look at it and I say, you know, you know good for them. But, but it kind of leads to the question, okay, Dallas wins the series. They win it tonight. Maybe it goes to game seven and they win it there. Um, does it change how you feel about Vegas at all?
2: Well, it does. I'm surprised too. I thought with Jamie Ben going out and, and look at here we go, game six, Ben's back. I thought the season was over for Dallas. And mm-hmm. just in the fashion which that game was blown and, and the penalty he took. Um to me, like I this is gonna sound biased, but I don't know how they keep winning like this. Yeah. And to me, it's because of they deserve a ton of credit because they have their style in their game and they play it very well night in and night out. Mm-hmm. But they can be beaten. And so I give them credit for the fact that I I often sometimes in the first two series and really since they came into the league, um, I think it's the other team not playing their game that has helped Vegas because Vegas every night plays their game. And what I mean by that is like game one versus the Jets, they didn't play bad. The Jets just played dominated them. And then the Jets didn't play well. Mm -hmm. And you look at how close those games were. And I'll I'll argue the same with the Oilers series with Vegas. Like when when the Oilers played solid 200-foot hockey and got goaltending, they pounded the Vegas Golden Knights. Mm -hmm. But then when they didn't, and their goaltending let them down, Vegas won those games. And now that's what I'm kind of seeing here. Like I didn't like the way Dallas played in the first three games of the series, even though I think two of them, or one of them went to overtime. Mm -hmm. Um, But... You know, and now they're playing the way I think they can play, mm. and and so Vegas had a hard time with them the past two games. Mm. Very evenly matched teams and stuff. But to me, the the biggest thing Vegas does well is they're so consistent in their play. Mm. But I don't find their play exceptional. That they they could win the Stanley Cup. I'm not saying that, but yeah. I'm just saying I don't find their play exceptionally. Um, better. I just find it consistent than yeah. the teams they're playing. And the teams they're playing, problem is, is I think they're better teams, but they don't play good consistently yeah. and their style.
1: Well, we talk about that too, about the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, outside of the first game, I think you could probably put together three periods of hockey where the Winnipeg Jets were yeah. a team that could have beaten the Vegas Golden Knights. And, and that, that's and just even not the good games enough.
2: they lost when they come back on them and yeah. stuff. Like if, everywhere. if you played that way from the puck drop of the puck, And I know that Vegas is trying to get you not to, but I mean, game one is just a poster for, if you played like that three more games out of the seven, you would have won that series, but you didn't No. And Vegas did play their consistent game. That's
1: the problem. And that's the Winnipeg jets. Anyways, let's take a break. Let's come back on the other side. Derek Taylor is going to be joining us. The voice of the Winnipeg blue bombers and real quick. Uh, Jim Toth. Matthew Kachuk, is he the face of the NHL right now?
2: He was at the Celtics heat game.
1: They put a big camera on him?
2: Big camera on him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was there front and center.
1: You know, you look at some of the other stars. I don't know if they're as uh, dynamic, let's say, as Matthew Kachuk.
2: Well, you bring up a good point because I think Alexander Barkov is a top 10 player in the National Hockey League.
1: I've been saying that this in the national hockey. You're always shutting me down whenever I brought up that no, point. I'm a big Barkov.
2: You know me. <laughs> He's been a proud member of the Hungarian Hammers for many years. He's a keeper every year. <laughs> yeah. And now, um, but for Matthew Duchuk to go in there and have guys like Ekblad, even Bobrovsky, mm-hmm. but um, especially Barkov on that roster, and for him to become the face of the organization in a season, that's saying something.
1: The Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Opened up their preseason with a victory. Derek Taylor, voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, will be with us right after this. A little sweet emotion from DT. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Chats at noon on
0: 6-8-CJOB.
1: Well, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers opened up their preseason schedule, or the the two of them at least, with a 25-23 to 23 win over the Edmonton Elks at Commonwealth Stadium. Sorry, the Brick Field at Commonwealth Stadium. Brick
2: Field, brick I always field forget now. to add that. The Brick Field,
1: very important little piece of information. Uh, the Riders are going to be in town for the uh, second preseason of two uh, for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. That's going to be going on Friday at IG Field. But to talk about the game over the weekend on Saturday, uh, we're going to bring in Derek Taylor, Winnipeg uh, voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers here on 680 CGOB. Uh, Bomber Training Camp reports are brought to you by Stars Air Ambulance, car- caring for Manitobans when and where you need us most. Hello, Derek, how are you? I'm doing very well.
0: It's great to be back from uh, whatever that stadium is. big Actually, you know what? I was going to trash talk Commonwealth Stadium. They have a Popeye's chicken concession at Commonwealth, which makes that amazing right now. That is, <laughs> that is rocketing up to be one of my favorite stadiums in the entire Indian football league.
2: I saw, I saw you had to go on a chicken run there for Morley and everybody else. Uh,
0: and I mean, when you're coming back, you're trying to balance like four four-piece chicken platters. It's, it was tough, but I struggled through.
1: Well, you know what? It's, you know, it's its a big stadium. There's a lot of empty space a lot of the time, and Edmonton <laughs> Elks certainly haven't uh, uh, done themselves any favors in filling that place up over their play over the last number of years here, having not won a home game since 2019. Uh, but... Um, you know, when you got a Popeye's chicken in there, things, uh, they really, really start to turn around. Uh, Derek, I mean, looking back on the game now, it's been, it's been a, it's been a a day or so or two days or so. What, what is, what kind of thoughts have have ran through your mind about, about the win by the Bombers 25, 23 over the, over the Elks?
0: So coming into the game, I I was concerned coming into the season. I've had some concerns about their defense. It was otherworldly in 2021. 2022, it was still first, second best in the league, but it was significantly worse than a historic 2021 season, which you could take in a couple ways and go, well, they're getting worse. Or, you know what, they're still the best in the league, just not by as much, so it's fine. But watching that game and watching how easily uh, Edmonton was able to run the football against Winnipeg's first defensive team, I thought that was, was troubling. I mean, they put up over 40 yards of offense against the Bombers, which... You know, a significant portion of that first half was the first-team defense. It it gave me, you know, it's not regular season concerns that happened in the regular season game, but at least some. And then Doug in the post-game show was saying they need a, they need a defensive interior presence because this, uh, this can't keep going on. He was very much concerned about how the Elks got, what, 160 yards rushing in that game. So mm-hmm. I, I leave... Fractionally more concerned about the defense than I was, but I say only fractionally because it is the preseason. So let's not let's not read too much into anything.
2: Uh, Doug Brown's going to join me later in the JT show, and and uh, that's what he was uh, tweeting about as well. So I'll talk to him about it. Uh, how badly? Are, I mean, you bring up a great point about preseason, but are you concerned about that other D lineman, especially with Jackson Jeffco uh, Jackson Jeff's Coates' health, as you were saying last week on the show?
0: Well. One thing, like the Elks, as we watch that game and as folks listen to it on the radio, the Elks uh, with the running back ran all over the Bombers, but the Bombers won the football game. So I, I am only so concerned about it, even if they're a terrible run defense in the, in the uh, regular season. I'm kind of not too worried about, th- about that part of it. The, the part that he brings up, and in, in Doug in his, in his tweet at Doug Ground 97. Mention a veteran pass rusher, someone who can help. That is absolutely something they need to bring in, in in, in my mind. Or at least they need to have uh, an extra pass rusher uh, even before T. Adricanson comes back from his injury because Willie can play all the snaps. Jackson has played 12 games, exactly 12 regular season games in each of the last four seasons. He's missed a lot of camps, so you assume he's going to miss some time. Who's going to be that third American pass rusher, the fourth one, Uh, So, do they go to market for a guy like Sean Lemon, which is a name that Doug had dropped, a guy who's proven over the years that he can rush the passer and 14 sacks last year? I absolutely think they do need more bodies on that defensive line and more that can contribute, you know, on second and long because, yeah. And, I mean, you got to defer to the the Hall of Famer Doug Brown as well. If he spotted it in that preseason game, you know that, and he he voiced it the way he does, uh, you know that, that he is concerned about it.
1: How much uh, of the Bombers still sort of in a search for a replacement? I mean, I know Casey Sales, he got a contract, he went off to Hamilton, but still looking for a guy to kind of step into, uh, you know, Steve Stove Richardson's role there in the middle. Yeah. I mean, I, I was listening to the postgame show, and I thought that was incredible about the amount of quarterback pressures that he had was double the amount of Jake Thomas and Casey Sales last year back in 2021 when, 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 when he was with the Bombers. I mean, that, that was something else.
0: Yeah, that was we pulled that out at a certain point of last season, whether it was like week eleven or week twelve. or yeah. We went, hey, this, this doesn't feel the same. So I'd have to check to see how it finished up. But, but I mean, that's that's kind of the thing in any salary cap sport, right? Is you have to sacrifice at some spots to be strong in other spots. So in in order for them to afford the highest paid quarterback, the second highest paid receiver, two Canadian running backs, uh, a solid interior offensive line, the two best tackles in the Canadian Football League two elite defensive ends you're going to have to sacrifice somewhere and kind of hope to get lucky a little bit right with your young guys uh yeah. two years ago uh alford and dietrich nichols what a fantastic find those two guys were last year dalton shown rises from who is this guy to the the first guy on the first team all-star at receiver right like you have to you have to get guys at minimum salaries and low salaries to dramatically outperform their contracts. so they're going to need that from a Ricky Walker. They're going to need that from Caleb Thomas, who Willie Jefferson was hyping up on the postgame show for his sack and how great he was with his hands and the blocked field goal that won the Bombers the game, right? Uh, someone like Caleb Thomas needs to be, and not putting this on Caleb Thomas, but mm-hmm. someone like that needs to be a star or at least a very good player this season because, I mean, it's, it's a salary cap world. Or Richie Hall has to figure out okay. With the guys we have, the biggies and the Jeff, Jeffersons and Jeff Coats, how do we cover for what might be a lack in position A, for example?
2: Seems to be some depth at the quarterback position,
0: right? Uh, Zach Kolaris looked, looked good. He hit uh, uh, gosh uh, Kenny Waller. Gosh, I keep uh, getting Kenny. Hit Kenny for a sixty-seven yard touchdown. Drew Brown had eight plays. He looked like Drew Brown. Tyrell Pigram, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when, when the first snap comes and it goes flying over his head and it's a 17-yard sack and the Bombers have to use a timeout to keep it, to keep it from a no-yards penalty, uh, he completes the ball and converts second and 27 to Jeremy Murphy, which I don't, I don't know how that came open, but it, but it did. And then he uh, scrambles for a 45-yard touchdown. He recognized the blitz on, on you know He didn't miss his receiver. He knew where the receiver he should go to was. You watch this and went, oh, I like this Tyrell Pigram quite a bit. We didn't see, in my mind, I don't think we saw enough of Josh Jones to have any kind of idea what what he is about, so I hope we get to see more of him on Friday. But if you're looking for a running quarterback and a guy runs against a team that's trying to kill him for a 45-yard touchdown and has another nice run as well, I think we can feel comfortable uh, for now that the Bombers – will have a, a very nice running third quarterback on the roster, whichever one of the guys it may be.
1: Thanks a lot, Derek. We'll catch up again tomorrow. The Bomber Training Camp Report is brought to you by Stars Air Ambulance. Caring for Manitobans when and where you need us most, Jim Toth is going to take you all the way until 3 o'clock. Thank you very much, Jeffrey Forche, for producing the show. That's it for me. I'll be back on Wednesday. See ya. Jets at noon
0: on 680-CJOB.